Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Lux mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. In the climate-ravaged year of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven, a geoengineered paradise that protects fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. Binge all episodes of The Last City ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. With a Broadway show, you're seeing their work. They have to keep proving they can do it over and over again eight times a week while i'm just sitting there stowed out of my mind going you know if things go perfectly i'm entertained but if there's if there's some sort of mishap that'll be entertaining too like it's just so live and exciting you breaking it down that you are the most unfocused person in the room to their being the most pinpoint focused is such an awesome way to talk about being high watching theater i think that's awesome Everyone's got to Hello, buenos dias, bonjour, konnichiwa, aloha, shishi, shalom, salam, guten tag, and any other hello that I did not say. Hello from my heart, hello from my eyes, my nose, my mouth, my ears. <laughs> All the things. Claire's like, how many? Yeah, my butt. (laughs) Hello from my butt. I am David Magadoff, and this is my co-host, Claire Kramer. Hi, everybody. And welcome to the Uh, Fanatics Podcast. (laughs) What language are you leaving out, David? I don't know, but as I'm I'm saying it all, I'm like, you got to figure I'm leaving out like, you know, at least 71 other languages. How many languages are there on this planet Earth that we live on? I don't know. That's a good question. That's a Google question or an mm. Alexa question. So, But the only question I have is who's going to be our guest today, Claire? Oh, my gosh. It is my good friend and infamous movie lover, Doug Benson from, of course, Doug Loves Movies and Last Comic Standing and Getting Doug with High and, you know, all sorts of other comedy hosting reality uh, extravaganza funny stuff. Doug is and has and will forever do it all. Doug is a wonderful (laughs) person. We had an amazing conversation with him. And Claire, you've been on his uh, Doug Loves Movies podcast uh, many a time, have you? I started working with Doug, I think, eight years ago. I did a run at Upright Citizens Brigade and then I did a run with him a couple times in San Diego, House of Blues, and then more recently over Zoom. So I, he's like such an awesome guy. I really love talking trivia with him. So it was fun to flip the switch a little bit. And in this podcast, talk to him about not just movies or movie adaptations, but kind of getting rid of the film aspect and talk about musical theater. I know. Which is another love of mine. I, and you'll love. hear and you'll hear it all guys seriously Doug is Doug was such a joy to talk to and his joy for musicals just will make you all happy I feel like we need to sing him in you know 
This is our episode about Doug. Oh, that's pretty good. Uh, and you also recognize him from the last blockbuster, that Netflix documentary. Uh, you'll see him You're there. still giving us credits. I'm introing the episode over he's here. Done, I'm just saying that's credits. how much he's done. All right, let's get into it. <laughs> Doug Benson, everybody. It's the Doug Benson episode. I feel like I should start this with song because today's subject is musicals, but I'm not. I'm not going to do that just for everybody's sake. Welcome, Doug, to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Doug, I am so excited to talk to you about Broadway musicals because we've talked over the years many times uh, about film, film trivia, and done so much around that. But never have we talked about Broadway musicals. I mean, how did you first discover your passion for the Broadway musical? I don't know where it set in, but for some reason, the very first time I got to go to New York, in this case, it was for um, a wedding. I was, uh, you know, in a wedding party. I grew up in Southern California. So my very first trip to New York, I... uh, Plan for a couple extra days in addition to the wedding just to do theater, you know. And I went to the uh, uh, the tickets booth in uh, Times TKTS, Square. Yes, right. Exactly. Yeah. And I just got uh, tickets to a couple of shows. I think the first shows I saw, first couple of Broadway shows I saw, were in fact not even musicals. I was just, you know drawn to for whatever reason i saw a couple of plays but that just started something where i don't think that i made a trip to new york city where i didn't see a broadway or off-broadway show during my visit and that was you know many years ago so uh i see lots of shows and that's been of course one of the biggest sadnesses for me amongst many but one of the biggest ones for me is that that, that, you know broadway uh is possibly more effective than any other like that's that and like you know huge stadium shows are kind of the toughest things to to bring back because they're all about uh gathering people together i mean i think that that kind of sums up what i love about live theater so much is it's you're experiencing with the talent on the stage and with the people sitting to your left, sitting to the right and front and behind you, this huge sense of community and shared experience in a way so much more than when you see a movie. How how would you describe that experience of sitting, you know, in a theater seat? Well, I approach it, you know, the same way I do with movies. I like to get as high as possible. <laughs> and then, which, you know, like, thank you so much, New York, for finally coming around legalizing weed. So I, I don't have to be quite as uh, worried about getting pinched for, you know, smoking outside of Broadway theater. <laughs> but I get really high and then I just, you know, surrender myself to the experience. And, you know, being high is not going to make a terrible show good, but it certainly makes you know, a good show, great, and a great show, the most phenomenal experience you could possibly have. There's something about me being not completely, you know, focused and then watching people with a job where they have to be, you know, possibly more focused than than anybody. Like there's so much about theater that's about the timing 
and uh and especially musical theater because it's you know because there's you know all the choreography and there's just so much involved in a show and they have to do it all right there in front of you it just feels like you know pound for pound penny for penny like the most effort being made to entertain you like a movie that someone just has to press play you know and granted those people that made the movie they did a lot of work but their work is done with a Broadway show, you're seeing their work. They have to keep proving they can do it over and over again, eight times a week, while I'm just sitting there stoned out of my mind going, you know, if things go perfectly, I'm entertained. But if there's if there's some sort of mishap, that'll be entertaining too. Like, it's just so live and exciting. You breaking it down that you are the most unfocused person in the room to their being the most pinpoint focused is such a... An awesome way to talk about being high watching theater. I think that's awesome. And it's, I love the, it's the greatest appreciation of what a Broadway actor does too. What do you, what is the difference between a play and a musical to you? Like what makes you love the musical? Like why you kept going back to musicals and not just kept, you know, you started with plays at the big old TKTS booth, which by <laughs> the way is the booth in Times Square that you can get discount tickets. That's what we're referring to, everybody. And then why didn't you just keep going to plays? What did you just all of a sudden see someone singing in a musical and you're like, oh my gosh, like being high to play is one thing, but this guy's singing and they're dancing and I'm really loving it. Yeah, it really is that sort of extra, you know, uh, taking it to a, a, another level. Like plays can be, you know, awesome. And I would never, I would never say plays are not as good as musicals, but there's just something about a boring play. It's just unbearable to me when a play is boring. Uh, and I, I've never walked out of the play, at least not, you know, maybe at intermission, but like, I don't, you know, do a get up and leave and give them a dirty look as I go, uh, kind of exit. That's pretty awful. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's something about a musical. It's just like, I don't know, like when, when a musical isn't good, there's still so much more to look at and uh, react to than a, you know, a play where just a couple of people are sitting on stage, you know, having a conversation. Uh, there's just so much to, like even the biggest flop musicals I've ever seen, uh, there was something about them that I found entertaining because also so much money goes into these things to get all the way to opening night, I mean, it's pretty hard to get all the way to opening night with like a garbage show. Like there has to be some elements that are impressive. Okay, if you had to think right now, it we're not going to hold you to it. This is the most favorite moment you've ever had high at a musical. But <laughs> when you are, if I ask this question, what's, what's the image that pops in your head? Was it like Spider-Man into the dark and him flying around or Wicked? Or what was that like visual? You're like, this is fucking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I do have to say that when I was ready to go for, to watch the Spider-Man musical and then the, uh, one of the producers of the musical came out with handwritten notes and a, and a hand mic in his like baggy shorts and Bermuda, you know, Bermuda mm. shorts and a Tommy Bahami shirt and gave the longest explanation for how things were going to go wrong. It was pretty amazing. It was, you know, it was in the middle of all their troubles. You know, I, I was very excited to go see it while actors were being injured and, <laughs> and, uh, and there were like, massive delays one time i think they had to stop the show and 
get the audience out and bring out a stepladder to get Spider-Man down. Like lots of, <laughs> lots of really bad things happen with that show. And it's not, and on top of it, it wasn't a particularly good show. Like the only U2 song you hum at the end of the show is, you know, one of, is like, there's a brief snippet of an actual U2 song in the show. <laughs> and the shows that they, that U2 wrote for the musical, it's like those guys had never seen a musical or something. The songs were like, I mean, there's a lot of bad things about it, but the songs were the worst part. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Okay, so that's actually a really interesting subject about musicals. So music, obviously, and we've had this discussion too, is so impactful to me and, you know, I imagine to you in my own life. So in a musical setting, with the story and then the song, how does the song exemplify the story to you? Does that make sense? You know, it's kind of like the audience is just a bunch of toddlers and people with uh, short attention spans. <laughs> and like, you know, like, well, we're going to tell you, we've got this story to tell you, but we're going to jump around while we do it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, it's and the sing, wiggles, basically, sing, you know, it's sing beautifully. I recently saw that, uh, you know, on uh, Twitter, somebody parodying like you know all the kind of beats that occur in a typical you know song in a musical and while laughing at how there's just so many cliches and how they do tend to do the same thing over and over again and it always kind of sounds the same it's still even a parody of it made my you know my skin crawl you know it gave me the chills a little bit just because I just get excited when somebody's just starts to sing a song in the middle of a scene in what should be a play. Why are they stopping to sing? This is ridiculous. You know, it's such a silly notion, but I get excited whenever it starts to happen. You know, whereas most people, I think most people that get dragged to the theater by their friends or their spouses, like sit there dreading the musical numbers and just, and they like, they can tolerate the scenes where the actors are just talking to each other, but they hate the, the musical numbers. And I'm like more the other way around. Like my favorite musicals are the ones where they never talk, you know, like, like in Les Mis. They, Les Mis, they, yeah. They, they barely say a word that isn't sung. And I love that because why bother to just talk? Do they talk in Tommy? They don't talk in Tommy either, right? 
that's I don't like, think so. No, yeah. those are two of like my top. Absolutely. I was just saying that, you know, before before we started recording, we were talking and I have probably seen Les Mis on Broadway or on the West End or at the Pantages probably close to 20 times, if not 20. I'm not sure because I started seeing it when I was very young. And I anytime it comes around, I go because I obviously should have played Eponine. <laughs> And it was a moment, a moment missed in my career. But what, what, I don't know. Back to the music, I guess, after my little lame is tangent. I agree with you. I like the more music in a musical, the better. Can a musical be great with the music not being so great? And can there be a bad musical with great music or, or does it all like have to ebb and flow together? No, that's the beautiful thing. Just like, uh, you know, the Oscars are coming up and like you go through the technical categories, you know, production design and costumes and makeup and hair and all of those things. And it's like there's always two or three movies that like aren't nominated for any writing or for the movie, you know, or for best picture. They're just nominated for these technical things that like, you know, if if you're. I mean, I guess it's the same is true of the Tonys. Like they have all those categories in well, their yeah. awards as well. And it's like, so, you know, I, I could think of a musical that I absolutely hated and I could still tell you something that was brilliant about it, you know, because there's always somebody that does a great job. There's always somebody that made a great set or somebody that made an amazing costume. You know, there's always some contribution that uh, is incredible. And the ones that, you know, have very few of those, you, you see it happen. They, they tend to close rather quickly. <laughs> it's funny. I feel like in the 90s, and I don't know if you'll agree, but I feel like in the 90s, the Broadway musicals in particular went through this really interesting period where it was like, well, it, it's, you know, in Phantom, we have to have the chandelier fall. And in Miss Saigon, we have to have the big helicopter come in and land, you know? And I feel like we've kind of... Yeah, there's always a big visual element. Like, if you don't have that thing that people talk about when you leave, then this isn't worth the penny of what we're paying. I'm with you, Claire. Yeah, that like was a big the, 90s like that thing. was a big 90s thing. But what in particular, going into a musical kind of blind, have you ever had a moment of like, holy, you know, crap, what is happening here? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, I usually don't go in too blind because there's certainly uh, some kinds of musicals that I would, you know, I would know ahead of time. Oh, that's not going to be like I generally if a, if a musical is like of a, of a super serious nature, there's certainly ones that work like West Side Story is a good example. Um, but for the most part, I want like, you know, uh, light and fun. Uh, musical rather than heavy, heavy and sad. But uh, what was the question? Well, like, you know, these big <laughs> moments, these big like stage moments, like I oh, remember yeah. the first time I saw Miss Saigon in the helicopter landed, I was just like, oh, what is happening here? Like, what is going on? What is a moment you can think of that you have experienced? Beyond the Spider-Man into the dark guy with a with a microphone. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> not to say that wasn't a big moment. Yeah. I well, get now, it, but... now, you know, now, of course, lots of things are flooding in. One that came to mind very quickly was you know, that they made a musical of the movie American Psycho. <laughs> right. They did. Yeah. They did. And it didn't, it, it didn't last very long. And, you know, but I still was curious about it. So I went and saw it. And the reason it didn't last is because it tries to make sense of that movie. And, you know, the movie's just about an insane person doing terrible things. Like it's not, there's no, 
<laughs> point in that movie where you go, oh, now I, I, I understand why he's this way. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they try, they just tried too hard to make the movie have like a serious ending when what worked about the, I mean, the Broadway show, what worked about the Broadway show was it took the fact that the movie was actually kind of funny and really ran with that. Like they really had a lot of fun with like the, um, like the business card scene. There's one guy that takes out his business card and he can, and he, and he's, you know, learned the magic trick where you can make a card float between your hands. So that was like the next level of cool business card. Cause you remember in the movie, they're bragging about their business cards all the time. And uh, so the first act of the uh, musical is so much fun because it's funny. And the, the lead guy gets it. Like he's, He's Christian Bale crazy, but also singing and dancing. And um, I mean, can I, you imagine being like Brett Easton Ellis and, and them coming to you and being like, so we've got a proposal. <laughs> <laughs> We'd like to take this and turn it into a musical. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy what they've done recently. That seems to be the new trend is. Well, taking, that is. Yeah. Yeah. Is that is that if it, uh, you know, if it made a dollar as a movie, it, it, you know, it's got potential as a Broadway show. So there's been a lot of uh, a lot of trial and error in that area. And I, I tend to find the ones, the adaptations of movies that I like the best are the ones that, you know, manage to find new things instead of just recreating eat for beat a movie. But the mm-hmm. trouble is some of those go so far astray. Like, you know, they made a, you know, the recent musical, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Mm. Like as soon as they're calling it Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, you're like, okay, so you've decided Willy Wonk is not as important as a stupid kid. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, and then, uh, you go to the show and they want the guy that's playing Wonka to be in the show sooner than when Wonka shows up in the movie, which is like 30, 40 minutes in. So in this Broadway show, uh, Willy Wonka is undercover as a candy shop. owner, (laughs) So he could sing that Candyman song that's in the beginning of the movie. And then, but then they're just immediately showing that he's a nice guy and he's undercover to try to find nice children to come to come take. So you're already demystifying Willy Wonka immediately in this Broadway show. Like they immediately made what I thought was a massive mistake. Mm-hmm. And then, I, you know, I'm sitting there in my, you know, very expensive seat, high out of my mind, still managing to be angry about it. <laughs> <laughs> have there has there ever been not, not not to get too far into the in the woods of your of movie dumb which is your uh passion <laughs> beyond passions and place of places and you're the king of kings but what would you say is like a musical that was a nice adaptation like a pretty wow baller adaptation like that they put into a movie or a movie that or, you know not to you know fry your brain too much or a movie that was really well interpreted as a musical one or the other or both well, there there have been quite a few good ones. Like, I don't go into it thinking, oh, this is going to suck. And I'm always kind of surprised, too. Same with, like, you know, it's very easy to be like, oh, it's another, you know, Disney movie made into a Broadway show, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've had such mixed uh, reactions to those productions, you know, and I don't know going in which ones, I'm, you know, I just don't really know which ones I'm going to like and which ones I'm uh not gonna like but 
I think a great example of one where you kind of you kind of roll your eyes when you hear that they're making it into a musical because it's like, well, why can't they just leave that alone? It's just so perfect the way it is. But the 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 musical version of uh, Groundhog Day is <laughs> is really good. I didn't know they had that. Yeah. I didn't know they had that either. Is that newer? Uh, you know, it's been a few years now, but uh, it's it was a really really good show. Oh, oh, you know, another one that's really good and, you know, and it's been touring because it's been so Billy popular. Billy Elliot, I will is, say. That's yeah, that's one. one. But I was going to say more, another sort of more recent one is uh, Mean Girls. They did a good job with that. I heard that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that was an example where they brought Tina Fey in and they, you know, managed to get a few like pretty good, like kind of Trumpy kind of jokes in there to get the audience, you know, right <laughs> out of the audience. And, uh, and it's it's pretty effective. And then. And like uh, Mean Girls is a great example of, you know, they left in stuff like Fetch. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I can read minds because I have ESPN or whatever. But uh, <laughs> but they also come up with so many new jokes for those characters to say. Like the, it's so funny that the dumb girl's her name is Karen, and uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and that was pre Karen. I mean, yeah, Mean yeah. Girls was way pre Karen. She's the original Karen, and. Uh, but she's such a, in the Broadway show, they make her such a funny character. She's, she's, her lines are hilarious. Okay. This is a little non sequitur, but I just feel like I want to share that my German shepherd growing up, her name was Karen. I named her and her name was Karen. So not all Karens are bad. She was a very I good mean, dog. No, I, you know, <laughs> I have plenty of Karens in my life that I, I love very much, but, uh, <laughs> but man, that, uh, that name is, uh, I, if I were them, I'd change it. How, how, let me ask you this. How many musicals do you think you've seen on Broadway or like at the Pantages or West End, like cumulative? Where do you think you are with that number? Like 200, I would guess is um, like. I would say I'd pro- I could be pushing four or 500. I love it. Wow. That is, um, do you keep your ticket stubs? Sometimes, but the thing I really am like slavish about, like where I'll even like, you know, if I forget to, you know, take one for some reason, like if I put it on the floor during the show, a playbill, I'll go back and get the playbill. Yeah. Oh, I so you I make sure collection. I have the playbill, which is such a such a waste because it's like you know it's like a whole little magazine where there's only three, four or five pages in the middle that are about <laughs> the, that particular show, so it's kind of silly to have. You know, I should just pull out the middle part, but then you don't have the come, you know, anyway. So I, I'm not much of a hoarder or a collector, but I do hang on to those. Cause I just feel like, especially when I get old, like just playbills are just going to be so much easier way to kind of access, you know, remembering which shows I saw and what, you know, what they were like. And Here's the real question out of the 500 you thought you saw, how many do you think you saw sober? Oh, well, I was also kind of a late bloomer on uh, uh, smoking. So, you know, there's probably a good, good number before that I would just go like a regular person and just sit there like a fool. Like, <laughs> a foolish civilian. Like, How dare be, you? Yeah. And just like, enjoy a good old musical. Yeah. That's actually that's, a, a good question. Do you judge those who go just like a regular person? No, because if it's going to be if that's enough for them you know, then, then that's cool. But I just like, you know, like I said earlier, it's true with movies. It's true. You know, TV shows, whatever. Like I, I get high before most things I do, but like, there's just something about 
just getting to that place where you you feel like you're very high and then this the curtain opens up and then shit just starts to happen and there's so many shows like you know i guess cats can probably be blamed for it there's so many shows now where the audience uh you know you're not safe like they will come at you in one way or another <laughs> you know or they totally you know, did come down the aisle and yeah every, and there's some I mean... shows some shows will let you come up on stage or your your seat is on stage i saw the um the Broadway version of the movie Network. And uh, there's just a lot of the movie takes place like in a bar. So they set up the bar and tables on stage and then charge people extra sit at those tables. So me and my girlfriend are sitting at a table where Brian Cranston and Tony Goldwyn just come over and sit like right across from us and just start having a conversation with each other. Like, you know, like they're in a bar and we're just sitting there you know, they're just across the table from us. And there's a sex scene between Tatiana Maslany and Tony Goldwyn where they have sex in a chair that was only like a, a few feet away from us. It, it was crazy. That is crazy. Do you always take your girlfriend or do you go alone? What's your what's your like typical theater Broadway experience? I mean, obviously my get high. My girlfriend loves loves shows, so that worked out great. So we just go see everything together. But oh, before that, I would often go alone just because, you know, you really are. It's easier to get a last minute decent seat by yourself. You know, needing to get two seats together makes it harder. So, yeah. So but when you're in a couple and, you know, if she likes musicals, too, then I just have to work around that. Just go see shows. I can get two tickets to. Well, obviously, L.A. and New York is great, but like, you know, then the before times as a stand-up too, you were traveling around a lot. And would you just go see like something that's at the like community theater in Minnesota or Chicago or elsewhere? Or do you really just hold out for like the big stuff? I went to see community theater once in, where was I? I was in Tacoma uh, because it was a show that was successful on Broadway and I'd always heard much about it, but I'd never seen a production of it. So I was like, oh, what the hell? And I, I regretted it ultimately. <laughs> Apologies to anybody in Tacoma that might have been in that production, but it was like, it was just, you know, it was just enough off to be, to make it hard to enjoy, even though everyone was giving it their best. But like, that's the first thing I think community theaters should do is have be sent a copy of the script where 30 minutes is taken out because Broadway shows are too long to watch a, a poor recreation of. Yes, you know? I 100% agree. <laughs> Slice and <laughs> you gotta, dice that. You got to work on the pacing a little bit. If the people aren't phenomenal singers and dancers because they're just local thespians, then you got you to gotta do something. And I'm sure a lot of them do. A lot, of, a lot of people, a lot of community theater directors probably figure out, oh, I should, you know, cut a couple of these numbers. Right. You okay. Know? suspension of disbelief is obviously huge with, you know, theater and like immersion. So what musical have you been to where literally, have you ever been brought to tears in the moment? I mean, I'm, we've discussed this on your show too. I'm a crier. I cry at like anything. So, so many musicals, like they'll start singing and I'm like, Oh my God, this is so touching me on the inside. Is that you too? Yeah. I mean, as I get older, I get more emotional you know, because I guess that's a thing, but also, you know, I, I have to say that a, a, another huge factor for me enjoying Broadway is having 
uh, kind of started out as, uh, you know, like in high school and in college, I couldn't sing and dance, but I was still better than I was still willing to show up and be in a musical. So, you know, I started being in musicals at a pretty young age, even though I wasn't good at it. And, but I still continued to love theater as, you know, not just as a viewer, but also as a performer. So I lose it at almost every curtain call. Yeah. Because, because it's just, it's just, a, it's just, a, you know, it's an emotional moment for everybody. Cause you know, especially when everybody just liked what they saw, it's just such an up moment that it's, you know, it's totally happy tears, but I definitely just respond that way to it. I totally agree. I mean, it's like, like you, the, the actors and the audience have been through this shared experience, you know, and that's the moment where the fourth wall is broken and they're like looking at you as themselves, not their character. And you're like, man, you gave it everything. And I sat here and enjoyed it. And it is this emotional like response. I totally get that. Yeah. It's wild that the, the, that the Broadway crowd is so, you know, receptive. You'd think they'd be a little bit more critical just because it's so expensive to go to a show and take so much, you know, effort in, in some cases to get in there. But there's just something about, you know, they just, they're, they're very much, they're machines that are built to have, you know, when it's over, you feel, you feel great, or you at least feel like, you know, some sort of catharsis has happened if it's a, you know, if it's a show that's sad. Speaking of like, I, you know, having that cathartic moment and just being in that room, you know, we've been in this pandemic and like you said, Broadway's got probably that and cruise ships, just the most hardest hit, you know, industries and cruise ships will be able to go back, but it's hard to see Broadway come back at the fervor that it once was just because even a 20% filled house, how do you pay for, how do you pay for it? You know, but that being said, what are you missing most not being able to go see these shows? Because obviously Hamilton was great to watch it on, you know, a taped performance, but it's, it's, you know, like we're saying, it's still not the thing. How would you put into words what you've been missing? Well, I'd say that I hope that there's, that everyone involved in Broadway has learned a valuable lesson that every show should be treated like Hamilton. They should do several performances with just cameras in the room and then one with an audience in the room and cameras and then edit it all together into a beautiful, perfect, you know, like watching Hamilton on TV, it was not as good as seeing it in person. You're still removed. You're still watching, a, you know, you can still tell you're watching a performance the whole time. But there's so many shows that to see again or to see for the first time that I, you know, I wish I could that nobody other than an occasional person that snuck some footage on their phone or something like there's just no record of it is uh, so, so frustrating to me. And I would think everybody that's yeah. in a Broadway show just to have it for everybody that made it. Yeah. Uh, and, but, to, but it's gotta be professional. You know, it can't just be half-assed, you know, because it really does. It is hard to watch. If you just point a camera at the stage and there's no cutting, you know, if it becomes more like just, you know, watching it from a fixed position, uh, then that's not as good. Delve into the shadows of the mind. With Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping 
dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. So I told you <laughs> that I've seen Les Mis probably 20 times. What musical have you seen the most? Is there one that you have just gone back to and gone back to and gone back to? Uh, Les Mis is definitely up there because like you said, I'll be like, uh, the first time I saw Les Mis was actually on the West End, you know, and then many years later, I went back to London and I saw a bunch of stuff, but there was a new production of Les Mis with a, you know, a guy who's an amazing singer playing Jean Valjean. So I was like, oh, what the hell, you know, even though there's stuff playing here that I haven't seen, I'm going to, I'm going to see this again. And, uh, yeah, so that's one that I go back to a lot because, when I'm in New York for a few days, I'm not going to be able to see everything that I want to see. So seeing things I've already seen tends to tends to not happen because it's like, uh, you know, I want to see all the new stuff. But yeah. that being said, it's fun to revisit Chicago from time to time because they always, you know, stick new people into that show. So it's just it's just fun to be like, all right, let's see how this uh, actor or actress handles, you know, this particular role. And they often give like, you know, the part that only has like one number they have to learn, you know? <laughs> yes. You know, I auditioned, I was close to doing Chicago on the West end and I was working with them, but I ended up having a conflict back in the States. This was like just after Buffy and bring it on days. And it would have been awesome. That was like my one moment to do a Broadway musical and it didn't happen, but it would have been West end anyway. But I agree. I like Chicago a lot too. Chicago's so good. Mm -hmm. All right, Doug, matinees versus night shows. <laughs> um, well, I go to matinees, even though I, you know, worry all the way there that if there's going to be busloads of school kids and uh, lots <laughs> of uh, octogenarians that don't unwrap their candies before the show starts. So that is, those are issues. Plus the, also just the, the energy is different. Like if you see a show that gets a, gets a lot of big reactions when you see it with the afternoon crowd, uh, it, it's a little less so. So that's, that's another strike against matinees. So I'd say, I'd say overall, I prefer nighttime, but I end up seeing a lot of matinees because let's face it, uh, Wednesday afternoon is a great time to see a Broadway musical. <laughs> and there's, Tons of them every Wednesday. Like uh, that blows my mind that on a weekday <laughs> they do a show in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like num everyone else is taking a nap or like it's still at work, but these people are full on singing and dancing and doing plies and having a blast. And you can and you can buy a ticket to there. Yeah. Uh also, what's your post game? So like we obviously know what the pregame is like. You've seen so many by now. Do you have a like, I love going to a diner and getting a cup of coffee or I love having a big meal? You know, it's crazy, but I'm often just running off to do either one of my own shows, you know, one of my own stand-up shows in New York or, yeah. uh, you know, off to another show. Like like in the Broadway district, I know of 
I, I, you know, I've got so many different restaurants that I go to that, I, you know, I know the ones that I could go to in between a matinee and an evening show where it won't be packed. You know what I mean? Like you can't just, you know, fucking waltz up to like Sardi's or something. You have to go to uh, some stranger Times Square uh, places. But also I don't do the, I generally don't do the stage door thing, but every once in a while it is fun to just sort of hang out. And because Broadway actors are, they tend to be really nice to those people that are waiting outside. And it's just sweet. It's just sweet to watch how, excited the people are and uh and it's just such a tradition but it's gotten to a point where you know some actors have had to take to twitter to go hey i've got a cold right now but i still have to do this show but i don't have to stand around <laughs> signing autographs afterwards you know i got to prioritize at this point <laughs> and uh but the fans still get mad if the if the stars don't pop their head out uh after a show which is I don't know. That's a tad, tad too entitled for my taste. Yeah. Have you ever, have you ever even recently just like been like, oh, that show is so good. I just have to tell him. I just have to tell her how good it was. And did you find yourself like, honey, just can, we got to go to the, we got to go to the stage door and wait. <laughs> have you found yourself in that position? You've just been so entranced. No, I, I, I haven't because <laughs> I'm, you know, I just like, I don't, I just posted on Instagram the other day a series of pictures where celebrities that I saw and didn't approach but just took a creepy picture from far away. Of. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and they all probably would have been perfectly nice if I just said something to them. But it's always just a case of I don't have anything more than I'm a fan of what you do. Like if I had some sort of extra piece of information or some way to help. Like one time I got to switch seats with John Malkovich on a plane. And he was grateful. And so that was an awesome feeling to have John Malcolm so going, thank awesome. you so much for switching <laughs> seats so I could sit with my wife. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, you're John fucking Malkovich. What am I going to, you can <laughs> take this whole plane down. You know, people. <laughs> to get into the There's... psychology of it real fast though. I love this. So like in my mind, I think that's enough. Like if Claire was in a musical and I came out and I just was like, hey, you know, you just really touched me and I just thought it was so great. Claire would be like, thank you, you know? So it's funny that you have this feeling of you can't go up to them unless you have something to offer, just not in in, in addition to just, you know. Well, in that case, just, it's a bunch of people that may never ever meet a Broadway star ever again, holding their playbills and their cameras and jumping up and down and screaming. Like there's an energy there that me walking up and going, hey, I really dug that, isn't really the same vibe <laughs> as what's happening. It's real. They're really big fans. And I'm like a fan as well, but, you know, trying to be cool about it. But the great thing is every once in a while, I get lucky and there's somebody in, in a Broadway show that recognizes me in the audience. Yeah. And that, so like, I always like check my Twitter right after a show because sometimes I get to go backstage and meet people just, just because they were excited that I was there. They're like, you're here. You know, the one time I did the stage door thing and I'm so glad I did. I saw Billy Joe Armstrong in American idiot. And, <laughs> He, it, that's like honestly one of my favorite performances and I was so lucky because he didn't do that many shows he did a short run yeah. and I, I definitely waited for him and was like hi <laughs> I love you I want to call back to earlier in the episode where you were talking about you sitting in the audience are you know 
sort of, you know, there to like absorb the experience and the actors on the stage are performing at the highest level, you know, versus film where you can yell cut or do different takes. That does not happen in live theater. What is the like sense of excitement in you that, hey, something could actually go wrong here? We don't know what we're going to see. Like, yes, there is a lot of you know, rehearsal and experience and expectations for things to go correctly. But that moment when something happens that you can just tell in the actor's eyes, wow, that was unexpected. Or I wonder if the audience noticed that. Like, do you experience those moments and do you look for them? I Yeah, I experience them. I look for them. I'm like, anytime there's any kind of like stage combat or effects or, uh, you know, there's this wonderful show called the play that goes wrong. Oh yeah. That's fun. Or everything goes wrong. And like, it includes like a guy up on a second story platform, it like collapsing out from under him, like stuff where they got to really know what they're doing. And then also make it look like it's all happening for the first time. And that stuff is, I, I can't get enough of that stuff. I can't get enough of like when, in a Broadway show, if one character throws something to another character way across the stage and they catch it, I go <laughs> in my head. I'm like, do they catch it every night? Right. What, always... what do they do when they don't catch it? And every once in a while, you will see that. You'll see something where someone was clearly supposed to catch something and they didn't. But they just, you know, move on and don't make a big deal out of it. But I got to say, another thing that popped in my head when you asked earlier about, like, when have you just been, you know, completely blown away by something. Yeah. I saw the most recent revival of Pippin. Mm, love and Pippin. I still never seen Pippin. It sounds wonderful. I can sing it for you right now, but we, <laughs> we don't have enough time. Yeah. Everybody knows the songs for that one, but um, we, you know, we're, it's weird. Some of the songs in that show, I, I bet when people are in the audience, they're, go, they're like, that's from it. This song's from a show? I've been hearing this song for forever. I didn't know right. it was a show, you know? But Andrea Martin, who was 70-something at the time, still alive, God bless her, uh, does a high wire act while singing her song in the show. That's those, crazy. Or, you know, those those scarf things that, that, that people hang from. Like she did a whole, did. yeah. Yeah, she did a whole thing and, and then when she comes down, like the entire audience is on their feet. So excited that this old lady just sang a song while flipping. I mean, I know Pink can do it, but this old lady did it. <laughs> and she does it eight times a week. And I was just like, why is it someone just running out and handing her the Tony like on stage? Right. Like, let's right just cut to the happened. chase. Of course, <laughs> of course, she won the Tony that year. But oh, my God. Was, that is so awesome. That would be that is definitely now on my list. Well, I mean, obviously not at the time you saw it, but eventually I would like to see that again and see her do that. I hope one. somebody filmed it. You know, every once in a while, like on the Broadway mm. channel, I'll hear her singing that song and still just takes me back to how awesome that was. Oh, my God. I love that. <laughs> yeah, that's the joy. That's the joy of live theater, especially live Broadway. Right. Just seeing it's 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 the singing, the dancing, the acting. It's like. Everything is coming together and then it's plot wise coming together. It's like, I can't do anything more other than sing how I'm feeling. <laughs> like it really is. I, I get it, Doug. Like it's 
that's why people the people who love musicals love musicals because it's it's everything coming together. It's like I'm literally doing everything I can physically with my hands and body. I'm doing everything I <laughs> can with you my feel heart. Something. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's like the most. It's the most. It's like entertainment at its most live. So, yeah. Um, that being said, on a scale of one to one hundred, Doug, how yeah. big of a fanatic do you think you are about Broadway musicals? One to one hundred. Well, I think it's got to be way up there because of the fact that I've done lots of things during the pandemic that, you know, are generally not being done during the pandemic because I had a mask or was in a car or whatever. But seeing a show, a bunch of people putting on a show has not been something I've been able to do for over a year now. And so I think that uh, just the how much I miss it. I'm gonna go 97. I love it. I'm I'm with you. 97 for sure. <laughs> Strong. I'm gonna give 100 to movies and 97 to uh, to Broadway. <laughs> yes. All right. Two things for you, Doug. Uh, before we go, one, uh, I always like getting to the the question of what do you think if you had to ask yourself. This isn't us doing it for you. This you had to ask yourself like. Why? Like, why musicals? Obviously, we the joy of it and the the just the experience of seeing people doing something at their very best and being in that room. I I get the sensory of it. But is there something about musicals like that you would pinpoint to like something about your childhood or like a parent or like the escapism? Is there something like why do you think why do you think it gives you that, you know, tear at the end? of a curtain call. Like what is it inside of you that is saying like, I, I want this, I need this. This is important to me. Um, I guess, you know, that if I'd have, you know, focused and trained differently that, that, you know, that world could have been my life and it still, you know, sort of is just by the fact that I being in show business, I get to, you know, uh, work with and interact with uh, Broadway people a lot. I've met a bunch of, you know, Broadway stars just through like coercing them to come on my uh, movie podcast. <laughs> and um, I really feel like my whole life has been, I want to be entertained or entertaining at all times. <laughs> like when I'm not performing, I want to, I want to, you know, see movies and Broadway shows and concerts and I want other people to perform for me. And then it becomes my turn. And just going back and forth is, uh, you know, I just think I've, I've always felt like that being a fan of all this stuff is also part of what drives me to to participate in these things. I love that. That's amazing. I know. I love that's that good. too. That's a good answer. And the last thing is well, we always end our podcast with a love letter. So if you could write a love letter or <laughs> say a love letter to the Broadway musical, uh, you can keep it long, keep it short, whatever you want. Just as long as it's from the heart. Dear Broadway musical, please come back. I don't know what it is that I did. Uh, I'm sure you know what I did, but I, I didn't mean it. I would happily apologize for it. I'd do anything <laughs> to get you back, Broadway. I've missed you. And while I know that someday you might be back full strength, I know it's going to be a process. It's going to take a while to get there. So I'll come be one of, you know, you know, 17 people. 
in a Broadway theater. <laughs> it paid three thousand dollars a piece. <laughs> <laughs> That's cheap. Uh, yeah, um, I you know I just I love you Broadway and uh, can't wait for your return. I love that. Signed Billy Elliot. Bill, I love it. <laughs> You're amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. And how about this? I'll do a one woman musical for you. You can be the one person in the audience and I'll do a one woman musical show. <laughs> and it'll be me singing all the Broadway songs I know offhand. I'll play a harmonica. <laughs> yeah, don't try not to prepare too much. Just just riff the I, whole thing. It's going to be like the, the <laughs> set will be like a shower. <laughs> like, <laughs> it'll just, you know, whatever. I think that's taken be, this too far. <laughs> you'll be saying what you think the lyrics might be. Exactly. <laughs> Turning up the water when I'm not sure. Okay. Anyway, you're amazing, Doug. Thank you so much. Thank you. Everyone's got to I loved how he has this sweet lament that he feels like he there's another life in which he got to be on that stage and doing all those amazing things that a, a musical theater person does. And I really connect with that because I look at myself as someone who doesn't have the like the all those tools to do the like I don't know how to dance Claire I know this oh, is a come surprise on, to you David I know yes I'm, you I, you could though you could you nailed it in the episode where you said it's like people giving their all in every way physically possible you know vocally you're you're moving your body and I feel like you know even as a straight up actor like you are straight up acting you still have to be really in touch with your body you have to be able to control your emotions you have to be able to you know to understand how the insides of you work you know physically and emotionally and manipulate that but it's just done in a different way when you're doing musicals and it's so so fun you have to give it a try well what i was gonna say claire you're you're totally right in that i want to give it my all so what i've been doing over the last decade of my life is i well or more i do you know i'm an improviser and so i have this lament of this last year of not doing improv. I've done a couple of Zoom shows online with the Groundlings, which is great, but it's not even close to being in the room. And I do musical improv specifically. So I've said to myself, well, I'm never going to, I don't know if never, but you know, I need a real good trainer and a, and a miracle to happen to, to dance like the way some of these <laughs> a people wing dance. And a prayer. And a wing and a prayer. Uh, <laughs> but I love, I'll sing to my heart's delight in a musical improv form, form and I have a lot of joy doing that. And so I haven't even been able to do that in over a year. And that makes me really sad. So his sadness and wanting to be there and my, it just, it just really resonated for me that there is this missing thing, you know, what's the Shel Silverstein, the missing piece. I feel like I have that missing piece this last year. And he really brought all of that out for me. You know, talking about musical theater, it really, for me, it reinvigorated my passion about being on stage and singing yeah. and dancing. And I feel like I made a joke at the end of the episode of like, well, I'm just going to like create a one woman show where I just basically sing all the songs I know off the top of my head. But how much fun would it be to get like just like a troupe together instead of like a comedy troupe or whatever, get like a group of us actors together who love musical theater and just do like 
<laughs> an hour of songs. Like just do like a like a the play, cabaret the, the of Rogers, musical Rogers theater. And Hammerstein playbook. Yeah. Like just a just a you know eclectic collection from you know American Idiot to you know Les Mis to Tommy to Into the Woods to you know whatever. Like just go through it. I don't know. I'm just I will really watch. Excited. I will be in that. I will be sitting next to Doug. No, I will. I will make you come He'll on. Give screen. me an edible, and we'll have a time. You, <laughs> you know, and Doug I will watch can... you, Claire, <laughs> and all of these wonderful actors. But yeah, I, I'm with him. I think. Uh, yeah, I think when the curtain closes on my next Broadway show, whenever that'll be in 2022, 23, 24, whenever that'll happen, I probably will cry just as much as him because it's you're. You know, you don't know what you. You don't know what's missing until it's gone. And so, okay. To, I yes, did think to Broadway of, theater. I'm yes, so thankful to Broadway theater. And I asked Doug, what do you think would be a great, you know, adaptation that hasn't been made? And I just came up with what I think would be like the best movie to adapt into a musical. And I think it has a lot of legs because it's seasonal and seasonal content is like renewable every year. You know what I mean? Elf. Mm, it'd be good. Elf would be great. I uh, like it. I'm, I'm I'm into it. I mean, also my favorite seasonal movie of all time, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, um, which I talked about on my favorite shitty movie podcast, which is you can go listen to me analyze that movie in depth over there. But those are my two like let's adapt and I'll star in them and you can also star in them. Well, I have still haven't seen that movie and I know you're probably going to be very upset. What? With me. Which one? I know. Uh, National Lampoon. What? I know. All right, well, let's just end this podcast before Claire rips me a new one. Uh, (laughs) We'll see you next Thursday. Thanks, guys. All right, bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you, as always, for listening to our wonderful podcast. Next week's guest is someone very cool and special and a dear friend of mine. Mad TV. Alvin the Chipmunks, the Squeakwool. And, of course, every Netflix special known to man. This is Angela Johnson next week, and she's going to talk to us about uh, paranormal uh, stories. Yes, uh, stories of, of ghosts and things and, and spooky stuff. So uh, get, a little, get a little campfire going. Get out your s'mores, and we'll see you next Thursday. Thank you for listening to Fanatics, a Roddenberry podcast. For more episodes and info, head over to wearefanatics.com or tweet your fanatics thoughts and stories at wearefanatics. Yes, that's we are F-A-N-A-D-D-I-C-T-S. Our show is hosted by Claire Kramer and me, David Magadoff. Produced by me, Claire Kramer, and Kelsey Goldberg. Executive producers Trevor Roth and Rod Roddenberry. Our sound engineer and editor is Elizabeth Joy Windham. And you can thank Stephen Mudd for our theme song. Catch us next Thursday for another Fanatics episode. Empty seats, pretending someone's beside me, all alone. I walk down Schubert Alley, in the quietness, the Broadway lights are off now, and all I see is him and me, Doug and me, seeing shows forever and forever. Are you tired of dating assholes? Do you want a Prince Charming? If so, we're filming a reality show. Sign up here. 12 American women are flown over to the UK for a Bachelor-style reality dating show. There are so many questions about a show like this because it's so odd. These women have been told that they were going to be dating the world's most eligible bachelor. 
Prince Harry. What? Y'all playing with me, right? You can binge The Bachelor of Buckingham Palace exclusively on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app.